So I'm going to talk about the Bible, long story short. I think anytime anyone ever tells you, hey, I've got a long story that I'm going to make short, most of us get into a good mood. So this should be a lot of fun, but before I get into this, I have a big announcement. So when I say big announcement, you need to begin to prepare yourself to take your hands and put them together here in a moment. So for the first time ever, if you don't know this, we're a church in multiple locations, and you're like, all right, some of you are west and east, and, but, but listen, listen, for the first time ever, I get to say hello to everybody at the downtown location. We're so glad that you're starting up. Let's give it up for the downtown location. Some of you, you don't, you don't go to church very often. You're like, down to what? There's a downtown location now. And, and this is exciting because we're a church that believes that anyone and everyone matters. And so we're trying to offer locations where people will feel open enough to come hear about who Jesus is. And so uh, I'll give you more and more updates downtown. Welcome to the family. Uh, this is going to be a blast. Uh, this goes out to everybody, fellows at RCMU. Every, th we're going to talk about something that's so imperative. It's called the Bible. I don't know if you have one. According to statistics, 85% of American families have one of these, can we just say, somewhere in the house. You may be like, I know we got one. You got, maybe, you, maybe you got one when you were married, and you're like, yeah, that's somewhere. I, I, as a kid, I grew up with this big, giant white one that sat on a, on a table that we were never allowed to touch, which as a kid was like, I don't understand. I think we're supposed to read it. No. Uh, the Bible's been used for multiple reasons. Um, sometimes people will put their hand on it and swear that they're actually going to tell the truth, and that's, you know, supposed to be the truth. And, and, and like, because you're like, I would never tell a lie putting my hand on the Bible. And, um, the Bible has been credited for being one of the key factors in ending slavery in the United States of America. Uh, many nations have decided, what are we going to value? What's going to be our philosophy? How are we going to go after this? And actually, many nations have actually used this thing as a way to be like, well, let's look in, into this and find out how to do life. But I think many of us, I mean, you're expecting a pastor to get up and even have one of these. I don't know what your version looks like anymore. Some of us, it's on a, on a device. Some of us have the paper version, old school. But I think many of us are insecure about our understanding of this. I think, many, like, I'm not outing you, okay? I'm just saying that there's a, there's a lot of conversations I have where we're like, you know, well, there's some opinions about this. And many of us, deep down, we're like, I know I should know what's in there. I should understand what's in there, but I don't get it. And so I'm kind of waiting for, well, Pastor David to kind of explain what this means. And that's a part of even what a sermon is. Don't, don't hate on yourself. Don't feel shame. Don't be like, yeah, is that, am I the only one? No, you're not the only one. I went to school and had to learn from very exciting professors. <clears throat> on how to study this. I was raised by a family that focused on this. So if you didn't have any of that in your life, many times you'll be like, where are we going to read today here? And, and I think many of us are well, dramatically confused by it. So, so let me do an inadequate job, okay? An inadequate job of explaining the whole Bible in one sentence. 
The Bible is the story of God. I know it doesn't cover everything. I know what I just said was like, but there's more to it. The Bible is the story of God. It is designed, by the way, not to, not to make you feel shame and bad about yourself. Um, it's not designed to find someone who doesn't believe in this and to beat them over the head with it. It's not designed to be confusing. It's not designed to orchestrate a religion. It's designed to share the story of God. You need to know that. Because many of us uh, have had what's called a misrepresentation of what the Bible is. That's why sometimes it's confusing what the Bible is. And when you, when you look at the story of God, God, God has invited you into a story, and so it's important that you know the story of God because if you don't know the story of God, you're going to struggle with your own story. You're going you're to struggle with your, your meaning. If you've ever searched for fulfillment, uh, some joy, some peace, and you're like, why am I even here on planet Earth? You need to know God's story because it has everything to do with your story. So the Bible isn't just something that religion put together so that you had to memorize it, and that's just what we do. No, the story of God's powerful. And if you've ever experienced life and life felt crazy, meaningless, or purposeless, you're not the only one. In fact, I found a quote from an author that I resonated with. For most of us, life seems like a movie. We've arrived at 45 minutes late. No amens. That's fine. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. Sometimes you're like, I don't get it. I've t-. We find ourselves in the middle of a story that is sometimes wonderful. Yeah. Sometimes awful, often a confusing mixture of both, and we haven't a clue on how to make sense of it all. Anyone resonate with this? I do. I'm like, yes. And then the author said something that I thought was pertinent. What does it all mean? If only we could find the book that tells the rest of the story. If only. I think we do have that book. But I think the book, written in a different culture, a different time, sometimes we have versions that were written, we'll just just go back into old English time, and we read it, we're like, who in the world even talks that way? And many of us have lost the fact that it's God's story, and we're we're supposed to understand it. I thought something would be important for you and I to do. I don't know if Fountain Springs Church is your home, but my guess is you have an opinion about this book. And my guess is that if, if you found some is, is, your, is your home or, or you're like, ah, maybe this is going to be my church, I don't know. You know, Pastor David, you're the guy for some reason in charge. What, what does this church think about the Bible? Perhaps you've wondered. Maybe you've researched, looked online, tried to figure it out. What's the, what's the church think? What does this, not the global church, not different denominations. What, what's Fountain Springs Church think about this thing? Well, I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you using the Bible. And that should begin to immediately give you a clue. (laughs) Uh, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. We believe that. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all of creation is, is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. So let me just start off by saying, if you want to know what we think about the Scripture, the Word of God, the Bible, that we stole it from the Bible. 
But let, let me go to another one. This is another part of the Bible. All Scripture is inspired by God. I'm going to dramatically pause there. Not a portion of it. Not the parts that you like. Not the favorite parts, not the worst parts. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful, so don't forget the all still applies. So all of it is you all, all you, you catch it, how to, how to read. I, my mom had to teach me. All is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses the Bible. God uses the Bible. If you want to know why a preacher man is talking to you right now about this, because according to God himself, is he uses this still. So you and I, we cannot say I, it's confusing, it's weird, I don't get it, because the problem is that the more disconnected you are from this, the more in jeopardy you are of God trying to teach you something that you're not getting. Because we're removed from this. But I get that it's weird. So I thought, let's just address some of the weirdness. We're a kind of a church that likes to not avoid the reality that's, well, that's reality. So if you were to read the Bible, maybe just verse by verse, but no, no, no. Maybe someone tells you something, oh, ooh, even better. Let's say you Googled something, huh? Let's just say you go on the internet and you've got a question about the Bible or God and you decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to Google this one part because I heard about this from a buddy or I saw it on social media. And this is how many of us are studying the Bible right now. We're, we're, we're Googling it. Well, you might land, let's just say here, do not wear clothing woven from two different kinds of thread. Uh-oh. Some of you are like, I have 100% cotton on, it's great. Well, then don't, don't wash it, right? I mean, it, if, you, if you were to read more of, in this context here, uh, you're going to find out that uh, if, if you did this, you're, you're, in, you're in some doo-doo. You're in some problems. But this is in the Bible. Some of you are like, is this like really, it's really in the Bible. That if you have, let's just say, cotton polyester blend, you are in trouble. Let's go more personal. This will be fun. Do not cut your bodies for the dead and do not, do not mark your skin with, uh-oh, <laughs> with tattoos. Don't get a tattoo. Don't get a tattoo. If you're around this church long enough, you'll realize that I have a bit of a problem at this moment. <laughs> Can I just talk to the fellows right now at RCMU? At the prison. I've talked to you guys about tattoos. Uh, show of hands, everybody. Have you ever, well, I don't know if you're willing to be this honest. Uh, have you ever heard of someone being judged for getting a tattoo? Has anyone ever heard? Okay, okay, okay. About everyone's raising. I know you haven't had a tattoo. You right know Christians can't have tattoos. But now, can we just admit for a second, can we, let's, let's be open and honest, that it feels like a lot more Christians, maybe even pastors, are getting tattoos, and we're like, did the Bible change? Did we just change our standards? 
I mean, I, that, that's, I want to have an honest conversation with you because the Bible, I've just read it to you that we're not supposed to get tattoos. And if you only read that verse locked in like that, you're like, I guess that's out. Well, we can go a lot of places. Uh, in that same area, by the way, it says uh, don't cut your hair in certain spots, don't wear jewelry. <laughs> don't just read portions that you like. But let's go to Revelation. It's talking about Jesus when he returns. I'm just going to show something. I'm just showing you the Bible, okay? On his robe and on his thigh, ha, huh, he has a name written. Some of you are probably in henna. It's probably, it's, it's a temporary. <laughs> this is Jesus when he returns on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What are you going to do with that? Some of us are like, well, no one ever showed me that. I understand. See, many of us right now are trying to understand God and the Bible by Googling portions of the Bible. That's become our new solution. Or maybe finding a social media thread where someone posts a verse and is well-meaning to post it, but we're like, but by itself? Well, sometimes you can misinterpret someone. Have you ever done that before? Where you only heard a little bit of the conversation? and you misinterpreted what was going on, if you're married, you should be going, mm hmm <laughs> Right? Right? So how should you read the Bible? Well, the official terminology is called the whole of Scripture. What that means is you're supposed to actually use the Bible to interpret the Bible. At first glance, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. It actually makes perfect sense. When you know someone, you begin to interpret what they're saying based on your previous experiences with that person. That's why when you are married, you often can understand each other when others are going, I, you, I don't even know what you just said. That makes no sense. See, when you begin to know the whole thing, the whole conversation, you begin to understand how the puzzle pieces come together. Okay, let me just out us, okay? Many of us, are claiming like we understand what the Bible says, yet many of us have not even read the whole Bible. Many people have decided what they think the Bible is and what the Bible isn't and how relevant or irrelevant it is, and they've decided this, they've concluded this, and you should ask the next question, have you read the whole thing and had some help understanding the book written a long time ago in a different culture in a different language? Modern day. Have you ever shown up to a movie and not understood what was going on? Okay, I, I have. In fact, not too long ago, Avengers Endgame came out. So I love movies. I love movies. I rarely leave a movie regretting having gone to the movie. There's a few instances, but when I get a chance to justify a big bucket of popcorn and a giant pop, I don't care what we're doing. You know, it's whatever. So... Went with my son to Avengers Endgame. If, you, if some of you are like, I still don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, I didn't grow up reading comic books, okay? Some of you, you did. You love it. It's great. I, I'm not hating on that. I just didn't. I, I never got into it. I never said I read a little bit and didn't like it, but I just never got into comic books. So the problem is, is when you go to a, basically a comic book movie, there's some things happening that you don't know. For example, during the movie... Captain America, well, he grabbed a, a giant hammer. 
So when this happened in the movie, I'm like, neat. Hit somebody with it. The problem was, I'm, I, all that's quiet. I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. The whole theater erupted. They were like, what? I'm like, Wondering, am I, am I missing something important? I'm, I'm looking over to my teenage son. He's like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should leave. I don't know what's going on. So, like a person who now feels like an old man, uh, I went to some of our staff and said, so I was at the movie, and uh, this happened, and everyone was like, what? Oh, my goodness. And I guess four years previous to that, a couple of movies previous, uh, Captain America had almost picked up the hammer. I'm like, what? Can he pick up the hammer? Oh, my. And then he picks up the hammer, and everyone's like, what? I'm telling you, literally felt like a loser. I'm, everyone's ecstatic, and I'm going, I don't know what's, I don't know. Some of you, because I've been in the movies, <laughs> some of you just show up late, and you don't know what's going on. Some of you leave for bathroom breaks or refills, and, and I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You're going you're gonna to miss. And then you, they come in, they start talking to the person next to them, and you're like, stop talking. So, you know, listen, 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 listen. Okay. We want to know the meaning of the story. You do not find joy in receiving an incomplete story happens with movies. It's why, in theory, we show up on time and we stay through the whole thing. Most of us don't start a book in the middle. Most of us want to know the whole story. We want to know the meaning of the story because stories mean something. But when it comes to the Bible, let's make this even more personal. We want to know the meaning of our story. And if you want to know the meaning of your story. I'm, I'm talking, let's go deep. Let's get after this in a way where we're not pretending to play life or church or Christianity. It's like, no, there's a meaning. I want to know the meaning. Someone needs to tell me the meaning, and the Bible actually unfolds it for you. So we're going to take a 30,000-foot view. If you were to chop the Bible up, which don't do that, but if you were to chop it up, you would find six what's called movements, Six major movements that help you and I understand that when we open this up, we begin to understand where we're at because we know the six movements. If no one ever taught you the six movements, you open it up going, I don't know what happened before or after, and I guess I'll just wait for the pastor to preach on this someday. Or I'll just Google it and maybe get a wrong answer. Six movements. Let's do the first one. This won't take long, but this will be fun. The first one, creation. And you might be asking, where do I find? Where do I find the beginning of creation? Where does it talk about in the Bible? Huh? Genesis 1-1. Ah. See, so far, this is really, this is not complicated, right? Just wait. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is not in the Bible for the sole purpose of you arguing with your friends who don't believe in this. Some of you are like, oh. See, nowadays, verses like this 
movements like this in the Bible have been used in a political stance of do I agree with you or not and can I hang out with you or not? And many of us are like, yeah, creation's in the Bible. Yeah, it's there. I guess they tell us how it started. What's right? It's deeper. It's deeper, in fact, so here's where the confusing part is. I'd like to tell you more about creation, and you may not know that there are other creation accounts about creation in the Bible that are not in Genesis. I'll take you to a book called Job. Now, if you were to read the Bible from beginning to end, you'll learn, actually, that all those books are not put into chronological order. Yeah, I told you, it's slightly confusing. You'll, because if you read any kind of book from beginning to end, do we not assume that we're going to go in chronological order? We're going to go from beginning to end. In fact, some of us know that the end book ah, kind of does talk about the end, the beginning, and we just begin to think that's how it works, but that's not how it totally works. Job, the story of Job has horrible moments in it. You should read it sometime. But there's a moment in which God basically sits Job down and has a bit of a I'm going to deal with your temper tantrum right now. I don't know if you've ever walked the halls of, of Target or Walmart. You're inevitably going to find this happening, right? Where all of a sudden someone's kind of getting chewed out a little bit. Uh, well, well, in the Bible, Job is getting a little bit of a chewing, and we get, uh, well, we're privy to it. And it has a lot to do, has everything to do with you and I. Here, here we go. Brace yourself like a man. I mean, the Bible's not politically correct. I'm just going to say it right now. But this is what the Bible says. God is speaking to Job. Brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? God knows the answer, by the way, where, where he was. Tell me, if you know so much, tell me. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who? Who? Job? Job? Job, who did all that? If you read more, it's pretty cool, by the way. You'll learn about uh, dinosaurs, maybe even some dragons. Some cool stuff in there. If you just read Job and you'll be like, what in the world? And God begins to detail what God did for creation. It's very significant, very awesome. If you've ever wondered, why, why when God's talking to Job, does he bring up creation? And, and why, why does that have something? Because Job is kind of whining about the situation in his life, and, and God's like, let me tell you something. I created all this. And if you've ever wondered why the creation story is, is in Job and in Genesis, here's one of the reasons. Here, creation gives us a glimpse of what God can do. It's not just designed for you to argue with your evolution friends and your Big Bang friends and, and for you to have this stance where you can be right or wrong. No, it's deeper than this. This is a story about God. And creation gives us a glimpse of what God can do. I, I went to the internet, just to warn you. So what I'm about to tell you could totally be slightly off, but... The some of the stuff I read was this. The largest bone in the human body is the femur. It can support 30 times the weight of a person's body, so ounce for ounce, it's stronger than steel. Uh, wow. Messages from the human brain travel along nerves up to 
up to 200 miles an hour. I dream of going 200 miles an hour someday down I-90. I'm sorry. I won't do it for those of you in law enforcement. I won't, but the human skeleton re renews itself completely, according to the Internet, every 10 years. Every 30 days, you get a new top layer of skin. That's just the human body, and we don't have time for me to go on all this, but the human body just by detail tells us that whoever made us whoo, is something if you look at just the planet Earth and our tilt, our axis, our spin, all of it perfectly placed and where the sun is, how masterfully it's put that even if off just a little bit here or there, we all die and none of it works. If you just study, the Bible says this, the Bible says that creation, that creation reveals who God is. Science does not disprove God, it proves God. And I'm telling you that God is absolutely amazing and the reason, one of the reasons that you and I have the story of creation is for us to get somewhat of a glimpse of the power and perfection of God. Not some argument that you offer someone, but just for you and I to sit for a moment and be like, God is amazing. There is a, uh, there's another one I want to tell you, but I want to do something with you. I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to do anything weird to you. But here's what I'd like to do. I want to read something to you, but I need, I need as I read it to you, if you're willing, I need for you to close your eyes. I need for you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine why I read it to you. So I'm going to read it to you, and I want your imagination to, to picture what I'm reading to you. So, so just play along. No one's going to do anything to you. Close your eyes. And let your imagination run. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas and God saw it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed and according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light in the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening. And there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the waters teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds 
increase on the earth, and there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. There's more to it. You can look at me. That's Genesis chapter 1. I have a question for you. Don't answer out loud. I just asked you to imagine along as I read that to you. Here's my question for you. Did you imagine that God was by himself as he was creating all that? Some of you are like, I didn't know there was another option. Just for, I'm asking a personal question for you to answer on your own, that as I read that to you and you were envisioning, maybe you were like, God's like, pow, pow, and this and going on. Was God alone or, or something else going on? This is important. This is actually crucial to you living out your meaning. You need to have an answer for this. The reason creation is put into the Bible is a part of what I want to share with you. So if you go back to Job and continue to read, what supports its foundations, Job? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Here's what we need to deal with. Some of us think that when God was making things, he was all by himself, which could lead you to the idea that the only reason God made you and I is because he was lonely and bored. And if he's lonely and bored, it means that when he made you and I, we have absolutely no value. And sometimes you and I live life, do we not, wondering if God even cares about us? If God is even aware of us? Is he even paying attention anymore? Or was it pretty much, need something to do? I'm going to make some humans and some stuff and, and then just move on. That's actually one of the worldviews people have, is that God did exist, made it, and left us. And so that's why I say it's crucial that when you read the Bible, you need to know about creation. Not only does it reveal that he is amazing and perfect and powerful, but creation gives us a glimpse of what we need. When you read the Bible, especially the beginning parts, it was not put in there so that you would have already argument in science class. It was designed to tell you something that you need. You need community with God. When God was creating, He had a ton, a ton of angels hanging out watching, going, you're amazing. So he decides to make you and I not out of loneliness, not out of boredom, but he made you and I. He made you and I so that you and I could have community with him, to be in relationship with our creator. If you were to get into history, you'll find all different kinds of creation accounts of of fake gods going against fake gods and killing each other and, and this great tension going on and it's ugly and disgusting. But then you have this one account of God making everything but inviting us into a relationship to be with Him. If you continue to read it, we'll talk about it in the series, Adam and Eve, and they begin to walk with Him in the garden. He not only makes people, He says, I want to I be around you and you around me. So the creation story leads you and I to a question we need to ask, have I been living, have I been living in a relationship with God? Have I been living in community with my Creator? If you open up the Bible and say, what's the first thing I need to go after? It's the first question. Have you been going after community with God? Not have you been perfect? Have you been in church every week? 
Have you been saying nice words to people? No. Have you been pursuing community with God, a relationship with God? Creation was put into the Bible because it happened. But that's the lesson. So here's what I want to do. I'm not confident that all of us have accepted an engaged community with God, a relationship with God, and we're like, I don't know how to do this. And so for the sake of this being for only one person, I'd like to have us have a prayer time, and I lead you in through it to where some of you might be saying, I want to actually have community with God. I want to walk with God. Well, let's do this. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and and, and if you don't know what to say to God to kind of invite, I want to be in community with God, does he hear me? You can say this in your mind. You don't have to even say it out loud. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything about you. And if you have any craving to live life with meaning and fulfillment and joy and peace and comfort, and you're like, I want to live life like it's supposed to be lived, then I encourage you to invite God to be a part of your life for you to live in community with him. I'm not asking that you know everything. But if you want to live a relationship with God, just privately speak this. God, I invite you into my life, and I want to be a part of yours. God, I believe that you made the heavens and the earth, and that you made me. And God, I now believe that you made me so that I would be in a relationship with you. God, would you help me understand this more? God, help me in the moments of my doubts and insecurities. But God, I, I invite you. I formally invite you to be a part of every part of my life. God, I pray on behalf of Fountain Springs Church. Would you... Help us understand your Bible. Better yet, understand your story so that we can understand our story. God, we invite you to clarify things in this series. We invite you to give us understanding and wisdom and discernment. But God, would you help us understand our meaning in the midst of this? That's our prayer, God, that you would help us know some whys to life. We invite you, God, to be a part of this to anoint it, to lead us, and we're going to be open to what you have to say. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.